بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله So uh, today is going to be a very uh, atypical personal library chat uh, for In case some of you are totally unaware uh, there has been a, a massive controversy raging uh, over my head uh, regarding an interview that was done a number of months ago uh, about the Qur'an. And I used a phrase there, uh, there are holes in the, the, the standard narrative uh, that has been misused and abused by a number of Christian uh, missionaries. So in case you're unaware of this controversy, this lecture therefore will be of no relevance to you. However, if you are aware, then the purpose of this library uh, chat is to basically uh, expose what I consider to be uh, the very evil tactic of this group of people and to also issue a very public clarification uh, that the uh, usage of my name is really uh, it's a slanderous appropriation uh, that frankly indicates the bankrupt nature of the tactics of this group and the paucity of their academic merit. As you're all aware, this is not my style. I do not attack people by name. And this is the first time that I'm actually uh, doing this. But I'm really left with no choice really because of the nefariousness frankly, the depravity of their lives, and because of the seriousness of the charges and allegations, enough is enough. After having had my name dragged through their stupidity and uh, claiming that what I said was somehow linked to what they're trying to argue, I have no choice but to stoop to their level and to expose how utterly unqualified these people are and how ludicrous it is that they are lumping my name together with their uh, understandings of Islam and slandering me by associating my comments with their views. Now, there are many categories of people that are involved in these types of polemics. Uh, there's two primary groups, uh, if you're not aware. You have the Christian missionaries or a subsect of Christian missionaries. Obviously, not all Christian missionaries use such evil, underhanded tactics. There's a, a small group amongst them. They do not represent mainstream Christianity. They do not represent the general nature of uh, Christian preaching and teaching, which obviously we will theologically uh, disagree with. But as long as it's done with adab and with respect and with preaching what they believe is the truth, the Quran itself says, come let us have a, a dialogue, no problems there. But this small group of people that do not represent uh, mainstream, uh, Christian, uh, uh, mainstream Christian theology, these groups of people, what they do is they try to construct uh, a web of deceit and lies and they drag in people like myself, and that's why I'm having to do this video, uh, people like Jay Smith or David Wood or uh, their ilk. And uh, you have one group like this, these are the Christian missionaries. You also have uh, another group of uh, people that used to be Muslims uh, and, you know, these, these murtads, I mean, frankly, uh, it's as if they've they've chosen to eliminate any noble purpose in their lives. And so they have apparently decided to spend the rest of their lives proving to us how miserable they are after having left Islam. Every single tweet and video is about the faith that they hate so much. You know, it's like if you go through a bad relationship or divorce, just leave and move on. But uh, these uh, murtads, uh, they are so cringeworthy as to not even warrant their names being mentioned, much less their ramblings refuted. I will not even uh, mention them. They are really, frankly, I mean, it's 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 frankly pathetic, the lives that they're living. But khair, that, is their, uh, that is their choice and they will have to answer on the Day of Judgment. As for the uh, Christian uh, missionaries who are out to convert to the Ummah, good luck with that. You've seen in the last, if you haven't learned anything, learn at least that missionary 
street work has never been successful uh, and alhamdulillah it never will be successful but as for uh, this group of missionaries frankly and i'm not trying to be dismissive here before this controversy began with me I was vaguely aware of some of their names, you know, from from because you're just logging online, you're seeing what's going on. But I really had uh, no reason to to know more about them, to really know uh, the differences between, you know, uh, their names, even their tactics, until they dragged me in and they used my clips to justify uh, their understandings. And to this day, even as I'm giving you this lecture uh, today, to this day, I have not had the patience to listen to an entire series or an entire full YouTube lecture beginning to end uh, from them because the fact of the matter is that and again I'm not trying to come off as dismissive but they are not real academics the reason why I don't listen to them is because they have nothing to offer uh, of my benefit now I want to be clear here I do listen to many non-Muslim academics I am very engaged in academia I listen to and I read books written by Quran scholars that are not Muslims they're in the academy I recently I purchased a super expensive book by Brill. You have to do that. And I engage with actual academics. I want to be very clear here. There are trained scholars in the academy who are writing things that some of which I would agree with, some of which I would strongly disagree with. But I engage with them and I interact with them and I have no problems reading their material and talking with them and, and, and basically giving them the respect of an academic even if I don't agree with their conclusions. Why? Because they're following the proper academic protocols. They're doing meticulous honest research they're displaying academic integrity and I have no problems engaging with them and giving them the respect that fellow colleagues deserve even if I don't agree with their conclusions I am a part of that world not that much anymore but still I have connections I do present papers at conferences I interact uh, with professors whom I strongly disagree with but because they are academic researchers that have displayed integrity and because they also display a, 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 a modicum of humility and humblest they're willing to engage in dialogue I have no problems interacting with anybody of any faith and background but these missionaries in particular they have nothing to do with the world of academia they are untrained unqualified ignorant arrogant individuals who spout ridiculous claims that don't have a shred of credibility amongst actual academics they don't even read Arabic and they are literally like blind mice grabbing at whatever they can trying to concoct a completely bizarre narrative and then preaching some garbled rubbish to their uh, to their choir who obviously have no clue you know as to right and wrong about the religion of Islam and therefore I have had nothing to do with that world and I shall have nothing to do with that world because it is a complete and utter waste of time for me. I engage with real academics. That has been my methodology and it will inshallah continue to be. Unfortunately, I have to break that rule for this one lecture and I have to do this because of their intentional hijacking of my name and their usage of a snippet of a clip that was meant for a completely different topic and their claim over and over again that somehow my you know 10 second or one minute or whatever long clip is actually uh, in accordance with their understandings and it is proving what they are trying to say now even when they first started you know using my name uh, it, I, I was quiet about this because really it's not in my nature uh, to 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 stoop to the level of every single bar dog I just don't do that I don't respond to stupidity and foolishness as well 
scholars that I look up to, scholars that are older than me, wiser than me, uh, they advise me that that uh, the clip should be removed because it can easily be misunderstood. And so I followed their advice and I continued my lectures. But this group persisted in using my name, taking my words out of context and unscrupulously uh, pretending that my interview was actually in accordance with what they're trying to preach about Islam. And because they have repetitively done this, I will have to break my rule and just for once give these idiots the smackdown that they deserve to show them, because they have no integrity, to show them that they are utter fools who should not and cannot speak about the religion of Islam because they are a disgrace to the field of academia. They are untrained, ignorant people who don't have a clue about what it really is that they're talking about. Now, again, for this lecture, because I had decided to, to basically explain, uh, you know, uh, how they're misusing my name. And so uh, because of this, yesterday, I decided to do this yesterday, by the way, yesterday, I spent maybe four or five hours, and that is it, to go over some of their material and and then, uh, inshallah ta'ala, from after this lecture, I'm going to move on. And I spent literally just a few hours gathering what I could about uh, some of these individuals. And I'll present what I have here just to demonstrate why it is an utter waste of someone like myself's time, who I consider, inshallah, and my reputation is known to all of you. I consider myself to be an academic. I consider myself to be somebody who researches everything that I say and willing to engage and dialogue and debate and defend and take and admit if I was wrong. So I don't deal with ignoramuses. I'm going to have to do this for this lecture and uh, inshallah ta'ala you will then uh, understand uh, after, you, after you listen to this, this lecture you will understand why uh, I'm not going to go back to engaging with this, with this crowd. So as I said uh, because I needed to demonstrate the level of intelligence and, and training of these people yesterday for the first time in my life I went to YouTube and I typed in uh, you know Jay Smith. Okay this is the main person that they have here. And, and again, uh, Muslims, you're going to believe me. As for the non-Muslims, it's up to you whether or not. I swear by the Creator who created me. Wallahi, wa billahi, wa tallahi. I looked at the series of, uh, of topics and I chose one at random, completely, based on the title and based on the views. It was about the Quran and it had a very high view rating. So I said, okay, this must be representative of this person. I'm trying to say this because I'm saying I did not go over hundreds or thousands of lecture as Allah is my witness I swear by the one who created me this is the first link that I clicked on and within five minutes of just uh, you know scrolling through because I'm not going to listen to cover I don't have time to listen cover to cover to something like this within five minutes of going through this is what I found listen to this and then he sent to every Muslim province one copy of this original one to every province now let's see what provinces is he talking about well He's talking about the province here in Mecca, Medina, Basra, Baghdad, Damascus, Jerusalem, Alexandria, Cairo, Herat, and Nishapur. There's the word I was looking for, Nishapur. I knew it had a poor in it. Nishapur. There are the nine provinces. Now, let's put aside the fact that uh, the earliest references about the number of Uthmanic Mus'hafs is four. You know, Basra, Kufa, Sham, and Medina. Some added Yemen. Very few sources added Bahrain. But four is the, 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 the correct number. Let's put that aside that, you know, because I'm not aware of any reference that says that Uthman sent out nine copies. Let's, let's put that aside. He mentions nine cities. 
Now, realize this is not a slip of the tongue. This is not just, you know, he's sitting in front of an audience and he's speaking from his head because I understand. I have made such mistakes, you know, when you're sitting in front of an audience and you just say something, sometimes you say a word you shouldn't, you don't mean or intend. No, these are his prepared notes. This is a PowerPoint slide that he's prepared and he has material on his website that is exact same. He has he is publishing material in this regard and he mentions that Uthman radiyallahu an sent mushafs to nine cities, to nine places, right? And in that list, he mentions that Uthman radiallahu an sent a copy of the Mus'haf to Baghdad, the city that was founded by the Abbasids as their capital in the reign of Abu Ja'far al-Mansur, a city that did not exist for at least 120 years after the death of Uthman radiallahu an. So allegedly Uthman is sending a copy of the Mus'haf to the city of Baghdad. And then here's the clincher. He also also sends one allegedly to Cairo. I mean, guys, every high school student of Islam knows that Al-Qahira was named and called Al-Qahira by the Fatimids in 969 uh, CE 358 Hijra. Wallahi, when I saw this clip, I didn't know whether to laugh or to cry. I mean, my mind is blown by such utter ignorance, only an untrained idiot. I mean, I'm sorry to be so brutally harsh here. It's not my nature. But if you're going to tell me that Uthman radiallahu an sent a mushaf to Qahira, right? You're going to tell me that Cairo, I mean, you're not just a cretin of the highest magnitude. You have publicly humiliated yourself and disqualified yourself from ever speaking about the basics of the religion of Islam, much less about some of the most advanced topics like the history of the Quranic compilations and the origins of the Qira'at. You don't even know Qahira and Baghdad were cities founded by the Abbasids and then the Fatimids. And you think that Uthman radiallahu is sending a copy to cities that do not even exist. I mean, subhanAllah. And by the way, Herat and Nishapur, he mentions them. Again, okay, they were conquered by the time of Uthman radiallahu but just newly conquered. Impossible that these sparsely populated cities with Muslims, you know, would have been, would have had a copy, you know, sent to them. And I'm not aware of any classical reference. But the point is that when you reach this level of idiocy, I mean, how and how, how do you even possibly respond to somebody who's such an ignoramus? And again, so I'm looking through these lists here. I see another one, which is relatively recent compared to the other one. I said, okay, let me log on to this year. Here's what he has to say in this clip. 1936. Right. They, because they say it was such a success in the city of Cairo, King Farouk, who then came to power yes, in 1930, right. decided to put out a new edition for all of Egypt called the Farouk edition. Ah. The Farouk edition then took the Hafs text and made it Egypt-wide, okay. 1936. Right. That was so successful in Egypt. But before that, I forgot, I forgot one thing. When they did this in Cairo, when they, uh, Al-Haddad, Muhammad Al-Haddad, did this in Cairo, they took all the other Qurans, that were different yeah. than Huffs. They took it out into a boat and they sank them in the Nile. Oh. You so haven't heard we, this before we, either. No. We need to go down. We need so to do some They're dives. still there. We need to do some yeah, we dives. Need to do some so <laughs> Don't waste your time. We have 10 of them oh, right yeah. here. <laughs> We've already found 31 so, so of them. Now this one actually did get me laugh out loud. Literally, I LOL'd when I saw this. This is, this is comical. So apparently, uh, all of the Mus'hafs of Egypt uh, in the reign of King Farouk, which is barely a century ago, that were not Hafs, they were taken on a boat and they were dumped into the Nile 
and now we have to go scuba diving to go retrieve them. By the way, I'm a scuba diver. I'm an advanced rescue Nitrox uh, certified scuba diver, over 200 dives. So if you need a diver, believe me, I'm more than happy to go to go diving anywhere. Wallahi, where does one begin? I mean, you do realize, Mr. J, you do realize that, forget how ludicrous you sound, the, the sheer quantity of Qur'ans that would meet your criterion would not just sink a boat, they would block the entire Nile. I mean, I don't even understand. Do you, do, you, do you listen to yourself speaking? You think all the copies of the Qur'an that didn't conform to uh, the quote-unquote version, which again shows your, your ludicrousness, there is no version. It is a printing that is being printed for the first one of the first times by a printing press. And so, yes, a committee is, is being uh, you know uh, done together. By the way, where is the origin of the story? Again, half myths, blatant exaggerations, ludicrous claims. There is a German Orientalist, which is actually not verified, who claimed that when King Farooq printed uh, his copy of the Quran. There was an Indian uh, print uh, that had, according to the, the 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 committee, some technical errors. Meaning the printing press of the Indian print was technical. And so, according to this German uh, Orientalist, we don't as of yet we don't have ver verification elsewhere that those copies were destroyed. Uh, respectfully, again, this is one of the key differences. When Muslims uh, want to, uh, you know, dispose of a mushaf, they will do so in a manner that is respectful. In the Christian tradition, it's disrespectful. In the Muslim tradition, you will burn it because you don't want to throw it into the trash, or you will throw it into the water. So, according to one German Orientalist, and it's, even if that happened, it's not a big deal. Maybe fifty or something copies of a, of a particular printing uh, were disposed of. But no one ever claimed that all the Qurans of Egypt that didn't conform to the King Farooq were gathered in a boat, like, yeah, as if they would fit in a boat, and then dumped into the Nile. Utter ludicrousness. And, and by the way, in this same video, this exact same video, he has a claim that is so preposterous. Wallahi, you wonder, is he even intelligent? Does he understand what he is saying? He says to his, uh, his, uh, his two uh, co-hosts or colleagues there, who are another story altogether, if you look at what they're saying, uh, that he says to them that, uh, you know, he talks about this King Fahad version of the Quran in 1985, meaning the uh, Madani, you know, Mus'haf printed by the King Fahad complex. And then he says, listen to this, that he's going to make a secret reveal on their show for the first time in history. He's going to come out and tell them uh, the truth about something that nobody's ever heard. Okay, Mr. J, what is this amazing truth you're going to tell us? Listen to this, guys. And I wonder truly, does he know he's lying or is he mentally insane? He says that they, some unscrupulous organization, they, who they are, the, the secret, uh, you know, Mukhabarat services of Saudi or some type of kamikaze or some ninja groups, they sent secret missions across museums all over the world to break in and to change the ancient manuscripts to conform with the King Fahad edition so that it looks like the King Fahad edition is in conformity with the most ancient manuscripts. And he claims that he has proof for this and that he has doctoral students that are going to be that are going to be exposing and talking about this now the notion that you know and by the way some of these manuscripts are in libraries in paris uh in in uh, the 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 museum of london uh you have the chester Beatty in in ireland so according to mr j simultaneously missions across the globe were sent in to break in to libraries including the top copy and to secretly change the the manuscripts so that it matches up to the king fahad printing of 1985 I mean, wallahi, listening to people like, like Jay, 
makes me realize why there are still people who believe the earth is flat, you know? So do you understand why it is insulting for someone like me to have to get involved with such a crowd? It's not my, I, I really feel demeaned to have to even respond to, to an allegation that all the, the, the manuscripts of the world were changed by some secret entity uh, in order to, to match up with the King Fahad uh, printing, etc., etc. So, I mean, again, much more can be said. And literally, this took me, all of less than an hour to look at two or three random videos and I'm like, I, I just, I can't do this anymore. This person is not worth my time. As for David Wood, I could not even bear an hour of his uh, lectures. Forget about being a, an academic. I mean, obviously, uh, it's very clear to anybody that he does not have an iota of knowledge of Arabic, of the script of the Arabic, of Qira'at, of Ahruf, or Ulum al-Quran. Forget all of that. Uh, the fact of the matter is that I simply could not uh, listen to him because if you haven't then please don't uh how how does one put this i mean i have rarely come across somebody who is more vulgar vile foul mouth noxious repugnant depraved excuse of a preacher whatever he is whatever he is david wood it is obvious to any person of faith is not a man of god Nobody who has an iota of humility in front of his creator, nobody who wishes to claim to follow any prophet of God would ever be so vulgar as this particular individual. I have had the great fortune of having plenty of Christian friends and colleagues in my life, Catholics, Presbyterians, Method Methodists, Evangelicals, Baptists, you know, many, many different types of people. And the fact is, as everybody knows, that you will find, generally speaking, uh, humility amongst the followers of Jesus Christ. The Quran itself mentions this. You will find, you know, a, a compassion. You will find a glimmer of the manners of Jesus Christ. And both Muslims and Christians uh, uh, agree that Jesus Christ was a loving, compassionate, humble, uh, caring person. Uh, somebody who everybody around him loved. This person, David Wood, claims to be preaching the gospel of, of, of Jesus and I don't know how to say this, like he is so uncouth, it is a shame. Wallahi, I'm embarrassed that he considers himself to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm embarrassed. David Wood does not need anyone else to refute him. His own manners is enough of a refutation of the character of this individual. By their fruits you shall know them. You have no reason, you have no reason to even worry about refuting the likes of David Wood because he is a refutation of himself. Anybody who is attracted to that level of depravity, frankly, I, I have nothing to offer because he speaks exactly of what he wants. And so enough of a reputation is simply to let him uh, be. Now, by the way, again, there are others of their ilk and I listened to a few of them and they're even more uh, ignorant uh, than, than, than these two. And all of their group, all of them, David and Jane, all of them, they are obviously, they don't, you know, speak Arabic. They're, they're quite, I mean, by the way, again, I'm being fair here. Maybe Jay is an expert in, I don't know, Hebrew or Aramaic, ancient Aramaic. Maybe they're experts in ancient Christian doctrine. I'm not negating that, you know, Jay in particular. I don't, I mean, uh, he might have some knowledge of other fields, but he is incompetent when it comes to the sciences of the Quran. It's clear to me that they don't speak Arabic and nobody on their team is qualified to be speaking 
about these topics. I mean, as the saying goes in the land of the blind, the one-eyed is king. I mean, I'd like to say, you know, these people aren't even one-eyed. It's as if they're squinting with one eye and even that one eye is like almost half blind. But because their followers are totally blind, so when they come with a smattering of Arabic words and some bizarre facts here and there, it makes them look, you know, significant. So the question arises, like, where are these people getting their knowledge from? Because obviously, in the end of the day, somebody's got to be spoon-feeding them. And if you look at who they're quoting, you know, I looked at a, a number of, of their references. Generally speaking, a lot of their quotations, a lot of their material is coming from a particular person by the name of David Brubaker. And again, I don't have anything personal against uh, this individual. I've never uh, met him. Uh, I don't have anything personal against him. At the same time, uh, he's the only one that has a PhD in that uh, circle uh, in Islamic studies. At the same time, it is it is just astounding to me. Frankly, I don't understand how someone of this nature can be awarded a PhD. Uh, if it's any constellation, by the way, his PhD, even if it's from a good university, but the university is not known for Islamic studies. The university has no track record of producing Islamic studies scholars. It doesn't even have a reputable Arabic program. Uh, so he got a PhD from... A, a known university, but not one that is known for Islamic uh, studies. And by the way, he's not involved in academia. Um, he has no he has no position. Like you know, he's not he's not a player in the actual arena of academics. You know, there are some people. You know, they decide to do a PhD. Somehow they just get in. They and they move on with their lives. I think this is one of those types of individuals where he managed to eke out, just barely pass every exam and do it. Frankly, it is shocking that somebody of this nature uh, actually has a a, a PhD. Uh, because of the egregious errors that one finds on almost every page of anything he's ever written. You know, there's an account on Twitter uh, that's by some undergraduate somewhere in America that's a parody account of, of, uh, of Brubaker. It's a parody account. And all that this person does, I, I don't know him personally, by the way, all that this person does is that he screenshots something from one of uh, Brubaker's publications and then puts it online. That's all that he does, just screenshots shots it. So I'm going to take from this parody account, right? Uh, something that uh, David wrote that he said he claimed and he and he claims to this day that this writing of his it is revolutionary and it is groundbreaking research that will allegedly cause the entire field of Quranic studies uh, to change and by the way he claims to have studied over 10,000 manuscripts of the Quran and I honestly don't know what he means by study because if you look at what I'm going to show you wallahi you don't even need to have any knowledge to see how ignorant this person is. And again, I have nothing against the person. I'm just saying this. But I mean, how can you possibly make these egregious errors? Look at the first slide here. Now, for somebody who claims to be a manuscript expert, right, he boasts, as I said, of having 10,000 manuscripts studied. He literally has no clue that in early Islamic manuscripts, it's very common to write the number of the verse in the ancient abjad system. In the ancient system, not actual numbers, but the abjad system, where every single letter represents a number. And so he takes the lam ha, right? He see, you see that lam ha. He takes the lam ha, and he does not understand that it's 30 plus 5. Lam means 30, ha means 5. And so lam ha means verse number 35. And he feels that it is an added word, lahu. And notice the idiot actually says that there is a lam ha at, look at it, 1635. And he says, I don't know what it's doing there. I've made this really cool discovery. Doesn't really make sense over here to have a lahu. It must be a post-production alteration, uh, alteration, but clearly there's some message being sent here, some major shifting message. 
message, but I don't know what it is. Can you imagine somebody dealing in ancient Roman manuscripts and he comes across IV, right? And that IV is in between two very different, you know, texts. And it's at the fourth verse, right? And he's like, what is this IV doing here? It must be IV. Or maybe it's an IV drip and they had discovered an IV back in ancient Rome. And the guy doesn't even know that IV is the Roman number four. This is how jahil this David is. That he doesn't even know that Lam Ha is the number 35. It's there. And the idiot literally says, 1635, Lahu, I don't know what it is. My God, and I have to respond to people that are taking from him. Do you understand my exasperation and frustration? I mean, can you cut me some slack when I'm being so harsh here that I have to actually waste five hours and another hour doing this video to, to clear myself of ever being associated with a bunch of imbeciles like these? I mean, let me look at another, uh, show you another example over here. And this is his sheikh, by the way. This is the sheikh of these people. Look now. I mean, wallahi thumma. I mean, I don't even know. This is not even Google translation, right? So he has over here this second slide here. This is literally worse than Google Translate. And this is supposed to be their sheikh. He translates the verse as, So wish a good morning to your deed as regretful one. For the love of God, couldn't you have just looked up Yusuf Ali or Marmaduke Tiktal? I mean, seriously? So wish a good morning to your good deed as a regretful one. What the hell? I mean, <sighs> you know, he, I don't know what Google Translate he looked up. So, Sabah al Khair, I don't know, you know? So, Tusbihu Sabah al Khair, good morning. I don't know how he gets there because even Google Translate is not going to make this, this, this error. And he translates this entire phrase in utter gibberish. Of course, asbaha, for those who don't know Arabic, asbaha means to become. And so basically the verse translates as, you shall regret what you have done, right? Fatusbihu, you're going to, you're going to become, you're going to regret what you've done. It's very simple. You're going to Now look, you wish a good morning. Again, where is their morning? It's sabah al-khayr. And he might, he might have learned Sabah al-Khair when he was in first year Arabic class. And now he's doing his PhD. So he sees Tusbihu. So he makes 1 plus 1 and makes 111. I don't know. Again, I mean, this is the last one I'll share. This is, this, is, this is so embarrassing. Honestly, I cringed. I couldn't even laugh. I cringed. Look at this. If you don't even know your Imra'ah from your Rajul, if you can't even tell your man from your woman in any language, then I don't know what to say. And, and, and guys, this is the sheikh of Jay and David. This is their, their head don. And this is a book that he's printed and published. This isn't an undergraduate paper I'm discovering in the archives of the university I used to go to you know, back in the day. This is printed and published by his institute. And he is claiming that it's going to revolutionize you know, Quranic studies. And this is supposed to be their teacher and their mentor. So please, do you understand again why I have never had the patience to respond to such imbecility? Frankly, it is demeaning to my time, to my persona, to have to even get involved with people like these I, I i mean i'm trying to not use you know vulgar words i mean what do i what do i say arrogant nincompoops you know what i mean subhanallah you know actually there, there is a word that comes to mind i mean it's still in my head from my gre, GRE days almost uh, 20 years ago i took the gre and um there's a there's a word there what is it 
uh, ultra crepidarian. Ultra crepidarian. That's the word. Look it up. Ultra crepidarian. Ultra crepidarian is a person who not only speaks outside of his area of expertise, he speaks way out of his league, but he also feels the need to announce to the world that he is an utter idiot. This is the word that comes to mind when I'm dealing with these people. Ultra crepidarian. Memorize it, and I hope that inshallah ta'ala, if one thing comes out of this lecture, please, oh Muslims, you know, that are involved with this, start using this word and popularize it again, because that is exactly what these preachers are. Ultra crepidarians. They are not only speaking out of their leagues, it's as if they want to make it a point to embarrass themselves and to announce to the world that they're speaking out of their league. And that is why why? Do you understand why it is so painful, it is slanderous to see these idiots taking my name and dragging it through their mud? Actually, not even mud. Mud is at least tahir. This is like scatological najis what they're doing. They're shenanigans. So uh, that's why I'm forced to release this video and show a little bit of anger because honestly, I have kept my cool with these people for way too long. Otherwise, it is an insult to my level of expertise and training to even have to mention their names. It is is a complete and total affront of my dignity as a scholar, as an academic, to even have to refute people of this nature, because honestly, there is nothing to refute. Just listen to them, and you know that they are utter jahils. Now, to be fair, I did use language that I regret, and the claim that there are holes in the narrative is employing language that did create confusion and I apologize I ask Allah's forgiveness for that there's simply uh, no excuse and I learned from my uh, mistakes and my senior ulama that I look up to asked me to get rid of the interview because it's going to cause more confusion there was no covering up I just don't want to cause more confusion but when these missionaries are persisting to take that clip and then pretend that my topic is somehow related to their incompetency I have no uh, uh, you know, recourse except to go public and show people that I have nothing to do with uh, these Cretans whatsoever. And I had to waste a few hours just to quickly show you their level of incompetence. And as I said, I swear to you, I have not spent more than five hours. And even that, I regret that I had to even spend five hours. Can you imagine if somebody actually, you know, dedicated you know, more time to go over their mistakes and show how utterly juhal these people, uh, you know, not they're not even worthy to preach a basic course of Islam at the middle school level, much less speak about some of the most advanced issues of Ahruf and Qira'at and preservation of the Qur'an. Nonetheless, they're using my clip of the holes in the, in, the, in the standard narrative. And yes, I did claim this. And I need to own up to my words or retract uh, or uh, you know somehow clarify. And I have no problems discussing with anybody who is interested and, and willing to learn. I do believe that a mainstream opinion, because here's the point, there are multiple you know uh, interpretations of the Ahruf and Qira'at. And everybody knows that uh, there's over 40, by now, everybody knows there's over 40 opinions about the Ahruf as, as, as Suyuth and others mentioned. And I follow another one of them. The one that has become dominant, the one that is now you know mainstream, this is what I called the standard narrative. But in reality, there are many standard narratives. Even what I'm holding is a standard narrative. It's just not the one that is most common in our times. And so 
I am, again, what I don't want to go, there's no need to go into details in the video, and I'm more than happy to discuss with anybody, but I don't mind giving you some examples so that you understand that when I said there are holes in the narrative, I regret the wording. But what I'm trying to say is that there are questions that there's a majority opinion, and then there are minority opinions. For example, one of the issues that is the issue of the tawatir of the qiraat. I mean, uh, I believe that the qiraat are mutawatira in their essence and syntax, but not necessarily in their you know specific choices of each and every rawi of each and every tariq and by the way this was the position the later position of the giant Ibn al-Jazari initially Ibn al-Jazari said that everything is mutawatir and then towards the end of his life he also came to this position which is basically one of my uh, disagreements with now what is the, the mainstream uh, also uh, another uh, thing that I disagree with as well is the origins of the differences of each and every tajweed rule each and every uh, pronunciation of the vowels right you know as maybe anybody who, uh, who studies the qiraat is aware there are so many tajweed rules or so many ways to pronounce things so for example you know wadduha or you can do imala sughra wadduha or you can do imala kubra wadduha you can do it all of these three types right now did the prophet himself uh, recite it in these three ways which is what mainstream says or did he allow some of the Sahaba uh, to recite in their dialects? And that became accepted. And that is accepted as a part of the Quran as well. I mean, my position is, is uh, uh, the latter, not the former. And by the way, even Ibn Taymiyyah, again, Ibn Taymiyyah clearly says that you know many of these differences, the pronunciation differences, they go back to the Sahaba and to the dialects of the Arabs. Okay, So this is another thing that I might disagree with You know, the majority opinion. I mean, also the development of the orthodoxy of the Mus'haf. Again, if you study the evolution of the ancient Arabic script that was first written down in what is called Ma'il, and then Hijazi, and then Old Kufic, and then Modern Kufic, and then Nasta'liq, and then along the way you have orthographic changes coming. For example, uh, the word Qala uh, was typically written in back in the day with Qaf Lam, and later on it started being written by Qaf Alif Lam, right? So again, this is uh, something that I'm advocating, and many scholars of, uh, of the manuscripts advocate this as well, that there was some, you know, spelling changes I mean, what's the big deal if instead of spelling color like the British spell it, you spell it like the American spell it? It's the same word, right? So these are some of the things when I said holes in the narrative, which definitely, you know, I regret it shouldn't have, you know, made it such a big deal. But yes, there are opinions that I hold that are not the dominant opinion. And every single one of these opinions deals with some minutia, some abstract issue that I respectfully have a position that Alhamdulillah has precedence. It has scholarly backing. I am not the first and I'm not the only and I'm not going to be the last. The problem that happened is that this group of critics, right, these Orientalists and whatnot, they had no clue what I'm talking about. And they took my clip and they exaggerated it as if I am in any way, fashion or form linked with these idiots and ignoramuses. And that is why I have to make this uh, video. The problem with these critics is that they think they have unearthed something absolutely absolutely new that no one before them has ever understood they exaggerate the notion of of, of qiraat to make them different versions of the quran they exaggerate the the printings king farooq printing and king fahad printing and they think these are different versions of the quran and you know here's a point to to the muslim audience okay and even if you're not muslim but you're listening for information about this group of people i want you to know one simple fact each and every bit of information that this group picks that is authentic, that is true, because a lot of it is just mythology or, fa or, or fake. Each and every bit of it that is true, they're finding from within our sources and references and our ulama 
Not only were they well aware of these differences, but no one in human history ever considered anything of this to be different versions of the Qur'an or different competing texts of the Qur'an. This is sheer lunacy. This is stupidity. There's, there, the, the vast majority of these differences are pronunciation. The qira'at themselves, the bulk of the differences are tajweed and pronunciation related. I mean, for example, if I mean, let me just think of an example. Uh, I mean, <laughs> American and British English, right? Uh, what's, a, what's a few words that the Americans and the Brits uh, pronounce differently? I mean, what if an American says, can you bring me a, a glass? Can you bring uh, me a glass of water? Can you bring, a gl- uh, okay, let me put in garage because that's definitely always an important. Uh, can you bring a glass of water to the garage? Okay, if an American says that. A Brit says it, how's he going to say it, right? Uh, I'm going to try my fake British accent here. Can you bring a glass of water to the garage, right? They speak in a higher pitch voice, right? Glass of water in a, into the garage. You know, there's differences, right? Glass of water to the garage, right? There's a difference there. Is anybody going to say that these are two different versions? I mean, how foolish is this? But this is what the equivalent of what they're doing. Now, again, to be fair, obviously there are more differences uh, than pronunciation and there's sometimes i'rab differences and whatnot. But again, these are all differences that are well known, well accommodated. They, Whichever understanding of the Ahruf and Qira'at you follow, and there's over 40, whichever one you follow, all of these differences are explained in a very, very rational manner that fits in with everything else. What these people do, it's literally as if they cut off 80-90% you know, of the evidence that they have. They take the little bit that they have, they add their own imagination, and they construct an alternative universe that has nothing to do with the reality. And that's why I needed to make this video to distance myself from uh, this, uh, this intellectually bankrupt lot. Now, before I conclude, I do have to address, uh, you know, uh, my Muslim brothers and sisters that, listen, first and foremost, ask Allah's forgiveness for any mistake that I have made. I am human in the end of the day. And preaching and teaching and, and speaking so much, sometimes I obviously slip up. I say things I shouldn't say. The wording I used was definitely unwise. And I owned up to this on Facebook and Twitter multiple times. And I explained and clarified that what I'm talking about is Ahruf and Qira'at. And even then, I shouldn't have used that wording. And what these people are talking about is the preservation of the Quran and versions of the Quran. I mean, a'udhu billah. So there's nothing to do with that. So if you, dear Muslim, uh, uh, have no idea about these topics then alhamdulillah don't worry about it. It, it it is enough for you to know that the quran alhamdulillah alhamdulillah is proven to be preserved that the thousands of manuscripts around the globe alhamdulillah they do nothing except to affirm and verify and i have multiple facebook posts where i actually show some manuscripts along with modern copies of the quran and you can compare them and there are many websites that uh, do this so uh, if you are confused about all of this alhamdulillah don't worry these people are unscrupulous and they are t- uh, cutting and pasting things from our tradition and constructing an alternative universe that does not add up to uh, the facts that we know and that's why they are not serious academics Yes, there are actual academics that are saying certain things that we have to respond to and answer, but they're nowhere any close to what this group of idiots is saying. So be be careful about that. Also, if you are uh, wanting to study this field, uh, then and you're confused about you know all the controversy surrounding me or what I said, listen, don't worry about it. Look, follow uh, the majority position. No big deal. You know, follow what is being taught uh, by most scholars around the globe because that's how you start any field. When you start the field, you don't go to 
to uh, the more you know advanced opinions or whatnot, you start with the mainstream positions, and Alhamdulillah, that is fine. <laughs> By the way, uh, if you if you really want to read a book in English, um, there was a book written uh, 25 years ago. Uh, called An Introduction to the Sciences of the Quran by, uh, too small for me to see here, but uh, you can see this book, 25 years ago it was written, and it still remains, walillahi alhamd, the most authoritative and advanced book in the English language that presents the mainstream views. Perhaps the author might have modified some views, but the book represents uh, the established views, and it is the most uh, advanced book in the English language, alhamdulillah, to this day. Now, if you are an advanced student of knowledge and uh, you are interested in learning more and more, please read and read and read. And if you are satisfied with what you read, alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah. And if you have unanswered questions, then know that there are many opinions out there. And some people, myself included, have been very interested in this topic. We have been thinking about it, no exaggeration, for decades. I wrote that book and it was published 25 years ago. And since that time up until now, and that was meaning I've began the research even before then. Since that time up until now, it has been a passion of mine and I have been reading and reading and asking and debating and talking and alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah, I have and many people have answers to each and every issue that is being thrown uh, against our religion and book by uh, the modern ac- uh, academy. No problem, alhamdulillah. And alhamdulillah, in my own research, alhamdulillah, I have only increased my iman in the authenticity and the preservation of this book. So there are, there are answers to questions even if you don't have them. I'm saying if you have any questions, there are answers and people have answered them. As for my uh, Muslim critics, you know, for those that have never studied, I'm speaking now to those that have never formally studied Islam, those that are really not qualified to take on uh, debates within, you know, scholarly circles within Islam. I'm trying to be gentle. Please, my dear brothers in Islam, you are not giving da'wah when your main focus is to refute other du'at. You need to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and just sit down and be quiet. You have done enough damage in your overzealousness to declare other Muslims and other people of knowledge and other students of knowledge and maybe even other scholars to be deviant. This is no longer about me and you anymore. This is about the whole drama that has been created, the scandal that has harmed the religion of Islam, the ammunition that you have given to Islamophobes and missionaries. So please, for the sake of Allah, learn from your previous mistakes and don't repeat them. Leave refutations to those who are qualified and concentrate on teaching the people that which will benefit them. If you really feel a certain individual has gone astray, go to those who are more senior to him and you. Go to those who are the seniors in their age and their knowledge. And there are people I look up to. Wallahi, one sheikh said to me, take the video down. Hundreds of people uh, that are Twitter, whatnot, they were saying, I, I didn't, they're not people that I'm looking to, to for knowledge. One sheikh said to me, take the, the video down and khalas because I respect that particular person as somebody who is senior to me in age and knowledge I listen to my elders inshallah ta'ala so anybody who has a problem with me go to those senior to us all of us and inshallah ta'ala we will sit down and resolve this if you are a student if you're not a student of knowledge by the way you shouldn't be doing this by the way if you are a student of knowledge then please for the sake of Allah feel free to contact me and it really does hurt to have to say that 
none of the refutations online against me, none of those brothers ever bothered to contact me directly, to sit down with me one-on-one, -on -one, to have a direct conversation back and forth where I can explain, I can attempt to defend. Subhanallah, every position that I hold, every position about this issue has many ulama that have preceded in saying this. Every opinion that I have arrived at is not just unique to me. Many scholars throughout history and in contemporary times, ulama living in the Middle East, not corrupted by Yale or the Kuffar, ulama trained in this field also hold them. So, after, if after speaking with me, you feel that my opinion is wrong, is incorrect, no problem, alhamdulillah, there's 40 opinions out there. But the very least is that understand that I am not saying anything new. Everything that I'm saying is within the mainstream of the ummah. And every position that I hold, I can back it up with specific names and quotations of ulama in the past and current ulama as well. Also realize, and I'm just going to say this gently, I'm not the one who wanted to discuss this issue in public. I'm not the one who started this controversy and brought it to the public domain. And that's all I'm going to say. I ask Allah's forgiveness for any mistakes I, I have made. And I also ask uh, for forgiveness for my sincere uh, brothers in faith. And I ask that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows all of us to realize we have greater priorities and doesn't allow shaitan uh, any success over us. You know, مِن بَعْدِ أَنَّزَغَ الشَّيْطَانُ بَيْنِ وَبَيْنِ إِخْوَتِي Wallahi, shaitan loves it when du'at are attacking one another. Even if you disagree with me, I disagree with you. Let's keep our disagreements civil and outside of the public domain. Wallahi, my brothers in Islam, billahi alaykum. Feel free to criticize me, you know, uh, directly or amongst your group or whatnot. Feel free to say I acted unwisely. I used words I shouldn't have said. But keep your anger within the realm of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows. Be careful of your accusations. Allah knows my relationship with his book. Allah Azza knows how much of it is read and how much of it is recited. Allah Azza knows how much comfort it has brought throughout the years. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala knows I have never once doubted the divine origins of this book for my entire life and any time I am troubled to this day to this day the first thing that I do as I turn to the book of Allah either by reciting it or listening to it from another person and that causes my grief to be cheered up. I ask Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala to make me of the people of the Quran and amongst those whom the Quran make shafa'a for and I ask this for my brothers as well. In any case, I don't want to make any extra harshness for any of my brothers in Islam. Anyone who says La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah and lowers his head to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I try my best to be as merciful as possible even if sometimes I get irritated at certain things that I see as being rash but I ask Allah to keep our hearts at least united under the banner of the umbrella this video uh, the umbrella of the ummah excuse me <laughs> this video is not meant for them it's really meant for the people that we should all understand are wanting to harm this religion. It's meant for those missionaries, unscrupulous ones, and those murtads that have taken these words and then used and misused and abused my name. And I wanted to say to them, enough is enough. And I'm not going to engage anymore with that crowd because really they have proven themselves to be arrogant jahils who are simply below my level of academic research. And they're also, some of them, not everyone, but especially one in particular, is a vulgar, obscene, evil jerk. I mean, honestly, there's nothing else to be said. So I have no reason to engage with somebody of this nature. And now I fully understand that this video, because I mentioned them by name, it's going to be followed by hundreds of refutations. So be it. 
it. I mean, I have one life to live. If they choose to waste it, you know, barking after every single issue that they want, that's their business. As for me, I want to leave a productive legacy when I'm gone. And I want to do that which is going to be beneficial for myself and my Lord and my Creator. And I tell these Christian missionaries and these murtads, you do as you please. I am doing as I please. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be the ultimate judge. And Allah will show who is the real one, who is sincere, and who is the one who is worshipping Him. And with this, I conclude this video and inshallah until next time assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh